1: I would like to speak to America's
2: men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm No, I can't.
1: Batch a sub podcast. Like how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage.
2: I'm Caitlin Byrd.
1: And this is the Betcha Podcast, where C span meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I would like to start today with, you know, perhaps one of the most politically divisive issues of our time, according to some of my feeds, is November first too early to have put up Christmas
3: decorations. Mm. Do we have
1: strong feelings?
3: I don't I have, do strong, have feelings, strong feelings, but wait, like a week or two. One week is a is not is a weak feeling of yours. Yeah. Like how, how eager are you? Did you, I mean, it's, it's, you're almost sort of like stealing the, um, the epilogue of the people who put up good Halloween decorations. Mm. If you don't give them (laughs) like the week after Halloween to get theirs down Mm -hmm. and, you know, let people sort of like Let the hangover subside. I don't mean literally the hangover even. I mean just sort of like let the the transition happen. We don't need everything to be so abrupt.
1: Yeah, give us give us a minute to miss having something festive. This is how I always feel about these three months. Is like it feels so good when Halloween comes, and you're like, "Oh, this is gonna be three more months of having fun shit." But it's like when you spend like a weekend, you know, in bed with a new paramour. It's like you can't then spend all Monday, Tuesday there. You've gotta you've gotta take a break because then that makes the weekend so much more exciting. You've got to wait. You've got to wait. But I, t- I t- generally tend to be about mostly things like let people enjoy things. Like it's really not that deep. But Caitlin, what is your POV?
2: I think that the the problem with it for me is that Christmas creep has like backed into October and to, to change immediately afterwards means that there's, first of all, there's no breathing as has been said, but also... Thanksgiving is just not present. And I, I feel the need that like, and I'm not talking about like the really disturbing implications of Thanksgiving, but just like an opportunity to have like the American harvest holiday energy, where we pause, we give thanks for things, we express gratitude, we slow down for a second before jumping into the mindless consumerism that is holiday season. And I just feel like there's not enough, there's, uh, I'm not a huge fan of like war on Christmas energy. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously I'm not proposing such a thing, but I also (laughs) think that there needs to be like a second to respect Christmas as a holiday that is actually supposed to be about other people and not ourselves. And that when you go so fast into the decorations, I feel like it's, feel like it's a little bit, it's a little bit selfish.
0: Mhm
3: mhm. It just feels like it's a show and it's about like maximizing the time of the decor rather than the meaning of it. I
1: if feel like I were, if you are
3: really yeah. creative,
1: you you have a Thanksgiving era that you can pull out because you know it's not easy. You know, the pumpkins, you kind of got to move out the pumpkins, you got to bring out what like some 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 like dried corn or something. Orbs. You have to use some creativity. You've got to have a transition period and not everybody's cut out for it.
3: If I spend money on decorations for holidays right now, Avi will actually kill me. <laughs> like he will be like, Are you kidding me? You bought a fucking fake cornucopia right now with a mortgage due. <laughs> Insane. Fair,
1: Fair. So, so which, 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 which I agree with Caitlin. I think I feel like this is a very good time, this sort of transition period. Listen, we're about to be in a really dark season. I don't mean post-election, hopefully. I just mean sort of typically. Like we're about to spend a lot more time inside. I've been, you know, you know, deep cleaning the apartment. Getting getting ready for this. This is more of a transitional time. I g- give yourself some space because you know what? There's not a lot of. I say let people enjoy things, but it's like there's not there's not enough in life to enjoy that. You got to build. You got to build some anticipation for the things for the things that are enjoyable.
2: At least I do. I saw Christmas I decorations agree, totally. in Harold Square, and it was really emotionally you upsetting did? to me. That was Thank you, you for telling like me that. I will not, not be like going there. the public ones, but like yeah. I was walking past like uh, Manhattan Mall and like somebody had already it was and this was I want to be clear. This was a week and a half ago. This was 2 weeks ago. <laughs> Let's be clear. I was walking around. <laughs> it was, Halloween had not happened yet, okay? Okay? It was only the last week of October and there was an entire like Christmas themed thing in the window and I was like this is violence. I Mm -hmm. do not accept it. I'm rejecting this energy. I'm rejecting this. And like now that it's crept into October again, I really would love that breather space at the beginning of November. Let us get into Thanksgiving. I'm a strong. I personally don't start until the Friday after Thanksgiving. That to me is a signal that you're allowed to play Christmas music Mm -hmm. however much you want.
3: I also think that part of the issue is that in this era of climate change, the weather does not properly match the decor. If you live in New York, sure, if you live in Florida, if you live in Los Angeles, right. that is your I understand. That is, you know, your cross to bear in terms of the mismatch <laughs> right. in decor in decor and temperature. But if you live in a seasonal place and you are able to go in the pool but you have Christmas decorations up, that is not okay. It's just it's just it's it's um it's unfair it cheapens and that Christmas. is an externality of climate change exactly yes.
1: in my in Cheap my jewish Christmas. american view it just it's like it's like currency the more you use it the less value it has and for me i extract so much joy from that one month cozy ass period that for me to stretch it would be to take away from it but you know generally speaking let people enjoy things. I mean, speaking of anti-Semitism, I did just Google the dates of Hanukkah and they they do, they are, it is getting clouded by Christmas this year. Hanukkah That's good. Ends. That's good? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's fun for kids because you can do it like all at the same time.
3: Hanukkah, and one of the saddest things is when Hanukkah does not coincide enough with Christmas that so, mm-hmm. you don't get to feel as a Jew, especially yeah. one who was like not allowed to Try to pretend like Hanukkah is Christmas. It feels like you are not part of the holiday at all. Mm-hmm. But when you when you overlap them, it feels like you are celebrating simultaneously, and it makes it feels better. I'll it does feel that.
1: better. It does feel better. Yes, especially if you are in a home where like you're not going to have Christmas decorations and stuff, and like the vibe needs to be you you're relying on external external yeah. factors in the TV marathons. This was until the end of democracy. I would love to stop. Should we know? just stop? <laughs> We but have our a, entire we show. Have started, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's much more delightful than our next two topics that we will get to, a couple more topics. So we, of course, are in midterms madness. So to begin, we have to discuss an update to the Dr. Oz crimes against puppies story because there are developments. In October, Jezebel reported they got the scoop that medical research led by Pennsylvania Republican Senate nominee, Dr. Mehmet Oz, resulted in the deaths of many dogs, including puppies, many other animals. I had the numbers in this outline, and then I was like, I want people to keep listening to the podcast. I'm not going to put them in. It seems Dr. Oz knew how bad this was because a couple weeks ago he called a former supervisor and asked him to publicly state that Dr. Oz wasn't responsible for the alleged mistreatment of animals. The head of cardiothoracic st- surgery at Columbia declined to do so because he said that would be a political favor. This doctor, Dr. Eric Rose, was pretty candid that he also does not agree with Dr. Oz politically, but they were on good terms until a couple years ago. Um, but the the post added that he gave $165 to Dr. Uh, John Fetterman, to which my reaction is, please, head of surgery, give more. These <laughs> tests meant that Dr. Oz could not present his findings, and he was banned from publishing in a journal. So not only did this man do this, but three weeks ago, he tried to get his. He tried to cover it up. His team confirmed that he was like. They're like, yes, we did call Columbia and we tried to set the record straight. And some of his colleagues have have come out and supported him. But this happened. This happened. This is like a a noto- It seems like this was a notable thing that happened in the field, not just like a,
3: a characteristic of Dr. Oz. That's crazy because I honestly didn't realize that this was like such a big thing. Like I know it's. It it almost sort of became more of a meme than a – which Uh is when really what it should speak to is his um, sort of sketchiness and questionable competence and medical ethics. I don't know the context of him killing these puppies. What what did he – why did he kill them? So it was for
1: specific research. I don't know the specific like exactly. I I know the puppies reference is like because a whole litter of puppies died. I think it's also like there are ways – listen – so don't know and enough puppies. Yes. There are there – are like obviously testing on animals is legal, but there are like rules to uh, prevent like too much pain and suffering for those animals. It still happens, of course, but he did not follow those rules. There were times when he could have um, euthanized them or authorized the euthanasia of them and he did not and he let them continue to suffer. Like this is what oh. he did. It's like it's become a meme where it's like Dr.
3: Oz kills puppies, but like it's right. actually so – so right. fucking dark. Right. That's what I'm saying. It like almost has weirdly been reduced to like kind of a joke. Yeah. As we're talking, it's like if something happens
1: to you, it's like as long as it happens to you during a Senate campaign where you're also getting clowned for dozens of other things, it's not going to matter. It's like in isolation, any of these things probably could have really hurt Dr. Oz's like television career. But like he's still just as a Republican candidate, she's sort of like, oh, eh, it's fine. Like as soon as you are have the like label of Republican candidate for office, you can kind of get away you can kind of get away with anything and I'm sure more candidates are going to pick up on that. Like Herschel Walker is
2: now selling fake badges. Like it's fun.
3: Oh God. It's like, here's fuck the patriarchy keychain.
2: <laughs> I think one of the problems is, is like Republican voters have gotten to this place where it's like, you can literally tell them that their candidate killed puppies and they're just like, but it's more important to, to defeat Democrats. And I I think like, like the question you start to, you have to start to ask, on a moral basis as like a a country basis is like, should people who view power, like who, if you win with a guy who's willing to kill and I need to be clear, Amanda did not mention the number. I'm not going to mention the number, but it was a lot more than a few. It was was hundreds of dogs. It was hundreds hundreds of dogs. hundreds of dogs. Okay. That he basically tortured to death that like, if you're going to win like that, like what is winning worth? Like, because if if you really need, like, oh, we can't do this without a man who's tortured dogs to death. Like, what kind of country are you leading for here? Like, we, I'm just asking seriously, like, if you feel like this is okay, should we be talking about your dogs? Like, what what's happening here that <laughs> you feel comfortable with this stuff? It's mm-hmm. just like distressing and the fact that it doesn't even cross their minds like, oh, well, it wouldn't happen to me. It's a very like face eating yeah. leopards party energy. And it's like, you, you know, like once you unleash the leopards who've been trained to eat faces, I, I don't think they're they're able to tell who's mm-hmm. who like the good ones and who are the bad ones. They're still wild animals who've been trained to eat faces. And mm-hmm. that's what the Republican Party is at this point. Like they've put a dog torturer on a ticket. They're saying it's better to have this than a person who will actually do their job, mm-hmm. who actually has any ethics, who actually has any comportment. It's just, it's, to me, it's like very mind boggling.
3: Right. I think it needs to be more about like the ethics of him as a person and sort of the snake oil that he, he has frequently peddled mm-hmm. throughout his career rather than about like... Mm-hmm. He doesn't know which, what Wegmans is, and yeah, you know, I know that that was like that. You know, it, that was very effective. I would say as Fetterman's, um, you know, way of campaigning. But now at this point, it's become like everything about him is such a joke that it's like okay, well, like we're he's we get him. He's it's baked in, as they say, yeah. and um, it's still like Fetterman still has to like prove his point that he's the right candidate. But no, now everyone who listens to this knows the truth about Dr. Oz's ethics. Well, as you were both animals. talking
1: and I'll say, I do not, I, I admit I don't, I, I don't live in Pennsylvania and I haven't seen every ad that John Federman has put out. But yeah, like I wonder if they have not done this. And again, I'm sorry if they have or another, the party has, but like, yeah, the ads about the puppies maybe shouldn't be funny. Maybe they should be like, dogs don't have like, Republicans love dogs too. <laughs> Generally, except for Dr. Oz, like, that is something that a lot of people are not going to be able to get over. They can get over the idea of young girls having their their rapist babies, but a lot of people aren't going to get over the dog thing. So yeah, I think that's a good point that like, yeah, just to like remind ourselves that like some of this is really dark, unacceptable stuff. And just because it's happening in the context of politics doesn't mean we have to like you know, jokeify it and put too much punditry around everything. It is like effective and it's important and it's good messaging to remind this, that this guy's like a literal puppy killer. I mean, we put that in our haunted house video because it's literally, that was the point we were making. Like, this is like, this guy's evil. This guy isn't evil. These people are, are straight evil.
2: Yeah. And the other thing I just want to toss out there is, you know, you could just run this like an ASPCA commercial. Like that shit, yes. like you start eyes of an angel and I start getting fucked up. I'm like, I can't oh, I watch can't. this shit. I can't I do can't. It. <laughs> I have to turn and them off. I turn the TV about, off on those. I don't watch things, things that saying, I know play like, those, yeah. But, but, but like, that's what I'm saying. But yes, is like, yes. You, there's an emotional hook that we all understand. And I think like people really need to get visceral and you need to start digging into people's psyches in this way to let them know like, this is actually what it's going to feel like realistically Mm -hmm. letting somebody with this loose ethics, with this level of disregard for life, for respect for, for living creatures that are innocent, that can't make decisions on their own. Like if he's willing to do that to them, what is he willing to do to you? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's definitely an angle to the Oz puppy story that we have not spent enough thinking about. (laughs) Hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift. Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. So we addressed the affirmative action case before the Supreme Court a bit yesterday, but as we said, Justice Brown Jackson spent a lot of time on the 14th Amendment. I don't know if your your ears ring when that happens, Caitlin. But, you know, tell us about your your sort of thoughts and perspective on this particular case and how you thought she handled arguments, you know, yesterday and sort of or this week and how she's kind of approaching this.
2: One of my favorite things about Katanji Brown Jackson, as she's justice, Katanji Brown Jackson, as she sits on the court, is that um, someone mentioned yesterday that they loved that she is not there to convince her colleagues She knows. She walked in and day one, she knew that that was not her job, unlike the other liberal justices who have come to the court in recent years. And one of the things that I really loved about her is that she just goes directly for the worst versions of their logic and just cracks it open in front of them. And she points out how insanely ridiculous so many of their ideas are that they just circle back on themselves because they are basically self-refuting arguments where it's like, well, you know, blah blah blah. If if, you know, uh could we do this? And it's like, you know the conclusion that they're trying to reach. They're already trying to say, like, well, how can we get rid? Like they were arguing yesterday, like, well, we said that, you know, maybe when will racism be over so we can stop doing affirmative action? kept being the argument that kept coming up. And it's kind of like, I don't know, well how long did racism exist? So <laughs> About that amount of time, probably, <laughs> and they keep trying to like find some sort of way where they don't have to do the work and she she really digs deep into that and just kind of exposes it and of course, you know, conservative justices um are specifically chosen because they have a genetic predisposition to never feel shame they they're actually all engineered in a lab that's my my belief. <laughs> Um, And when they're in college, they have their brain tested. And whatever gives them humiliation, like that part of their brain is removed. And so they can't be humiliated or embarrassed or even feel the tiniest bit of shame. So they they don't feel bad about asking these ridiculous questions. Once you join the Federalist Society, you get a full (laughs) lobotomy. They do. They just go right in there with some brain surgery. It's (laughs) not known, but that's because Leonard Leo has done a lot of work to keep it secret, the secret labs. Am I starting a new left-wing conspiracy theory? I go yes, with it.
3: <laughs> you can listen to Extra Extra, where I talk about the truth about Leonard Leo in episode two, and then I'm also talking about him in Friday's episode.
2: He's the most important, terrible man in America. <laughs> he has his hands
3: in everything, this man. He had his hands in the Federalist Society and the Supreme Court. Now his hands are in voter suppression and um, apparently scooping people's brains.
2: Yeah, that I'm pretty sure that you're required to get a lobotomy in order to serve in the Federalist Society. Somebody, we're just asking some questions. Somebody like like should look into it. Candid- I think it's People more like the Manchurian candidate
3: where they like they put that chip in and like they, they can do, activate you. They
2: do they and and frankly some of them were already activated before they even had the chip in. <laughs> you yeah. think about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they submitted um, no, but the point is, is that, like, yeah, a lot of the arguments, it's kind of embarrassing to, like, watch her run rings around it. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things that was really notable um, that Elaine Mistel put out was that, like, they're not mentioning the actual people who are supposed to be harmed. They're talking about Asian-American students. And mm-hmm. today there was a great opinion piece in the New York Times by an Asian-American um, researcher who went through all of the research that, like, Asian-American students are not only not harmed by affirmative action, but may get other benefits from the assumptions, the positive discrimination, that they are um, more dedicated, more thoughtful, more engaged students, and will get more support from their parents. Um, That entire stereotype actually uplifts students who otherwise might be overlooked. And puts them on more competitive paths. And it was like very interesting. I was like, well, I have no problem with that, actually, seeing the potential in people. But the problem is, is that it creates negative stereotypes in the absence of that, where other students mm-hmm. are then assumed not to be based around their racial identity. And, and I think you read like, this morning
1: that 70% yeah. of Asian Americans do support affirmative action,
2: which is very important yes. to remember because Exactly. They can, They're know. not harmed. And it's a big support. Like, there's, there's a lot of people who support it. It's not like- they don't understand. Like we all don't understand that affirmative action diversity is best for all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, yeah, those, that case yesterday, she was just pointing out how ridiculous the entire argument was.
1: And I just love that. She's like, she's gonna, she's always going to do it, whether they're going to lose the, whether, you know, it's, she's going to have to dissent or not, but she's just, she's like, I'm going to put this out here plainly in terms only I can. And it's just so important. Um, Finally yeah. today, a bit more on a story and morning announcements. Sammy sure looks like Republicans let Russian oligarchs get away with funding the midterm elections in 2018.
3: Yeah. I just I'm stuck on this one because it's like a not really yeah, being crazy. reported. I just know about it, it. Although it is all in the public domain. Like none of this is secret. It's just not on the um headline. It's not on the front page of the New York Times. Well, for it was whatever definitely reason. like the
1: most primary source, like was just like um Weintraub's like tweets about it with the FEC commissioners they Like, so we did this,
3: right? The like the FEC did this. Okay, so here's here's the deal. Remember, like in 2019, when I would always be on about how like the Russians are trying to meddle in our elections, and like everyone's like, you're so annoying. You never stop <laughs> talking about this. Well, now we have proof not only that this happened, but that the FEC knew about it, and they were basically okay with um. Not even punishing one of the biggest companies that did this—that was like mostly owned by Russian oligarchs and were illegally funneling donations into uh, GOP candidates in 2018 for the midterms. Lots of money,
1: tens of thousands of dollars.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you'll so basically here is what here's what happened, and then I'll tell you what their ultimate fine for doing this was. So in 2019, the Federal Election Commission basically let this company off. Its name was, it's an oil company called American Ethane. They were run, it's run by an American CEO, but it's 88% owned by three Russian billionaires who are oligarchs, obviously friends of Putin. And let me just give you some background on these guys when it, when I, when, because it sort of elucidates how close the ties were between Trump's campaign and his associates, Russia and This company, like the Russian oligarchs, so one of them, one of the owners of American Ethane, was the actual person who funded Maria Butina. If you remember, she was that Russian spy who had infiltrated the NRA. She had made herself like into a gun rights activist in America, and she had started dating um, like a Republican lawmaker. And essentially in, I think, 2019, she like admitted to being a Kremlin, an unregistered Kremlin agent Good and God. she pled guilty to conspiracy in the United States. Um, one of their you – know, they had also hired Corey Lewandowski's firm to help them um, lobby in China so that they could sell ethane, which was their –
1: That was the purpose no of problem. getting these people elected, right? That was like their motivation?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's like, like – Partially, yeah, mm-hmm. but it's it's more about I think like the enmeshment that Got they it. wanted yeah. for like geopolitical and financial reasons. Like it's 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 not just you know so we can sell ethane to mm-hmm. China. It's like the finances are almost the financial benefits are almost like a knock on effect of the enmeshment between like these geopolitical parties that are like in alignment that like they will do anything for money. Yeah. Um, so basically, they. The the FEC found that they made more than sixty six thousand dollars in donations using money they got from offshore firms in the form of loans, which is illegal. Um, they uh, Roman Abramovich also played a role. He got funds to Senate candidates, including John Kennedy and Bill Cassidy, both Republicans. Okay, so the FEC found out about this and against the FEC is is nonpartisan or supposedly there's five members right and three are Republican yeah. and two are Democrat and they have like a they have. The agency, the FEC, has a council that recommended that there would be sort of like a serious punishment for the company, American Athene, that did this. It turns out they go against their council's advice and they end up with a – they end up fining this company $9,500 like That is for Roman of which is
1: sons. Half his fucking rent, monthly rent. That
3: like, is like what they spend in a nightclub on one night. To, not even. It's probably half. This is like so embarrassing. <clears throat> right. So it speaks to two things. One is the fact that they were heavily, you know, in, embedded in this funding scheme for Republican candidates, which obviously now explains why in 2022 there are so many pro-Russia mm-hmm. Republican candidates. Yeah. And it also speaks to the fact that the FEC has no – clout ability to do shit they're also (laughs) compromised in in crazy case yeah thanks for adding this because
1: it's crazy
2: yeah it's it's outrageous to me and it's it's like wild you're not supposed to have foreign you're not supposed to have any foreign money in american elections and the fvc kind of passing on this is a sign that like there's not going to be any real enforcement even if you're caught and that to me is a lot scarier than anything mm. else which is like okay well like okay if, at least if foreign money is entering our elections then you know we can and it's like no it doesn't matter it's going we're going to end up in this place where like there's no punishment even for getting caught and if that's going to be the case then like why not buy an american elector like why not buy it's a worth american the legal fees, why not, not? It's not going to cost you anything. You're going to be able to funnel like millions more in than you'd ever get fined. And if you think like that's the only one, 66000 like, come on. I mean, uh, and we have a shadow pack system. There's like so much foreign money sloshing around our system right now. It's actually quite worrying. Yeah, I don't like to think about it too
1: much. But here we are. Stick around because yesterday I got an opportunity to interview quickly Sherry Beasley. She is the Democrat running for Senate in North Carolina. We've talked about that race a bunch. I'm a huge fan of hers. I really think she's going to win. Chatted a lot about, you know, what we talked about on the show, which is kind of this idea that like economic concerns have overtaken abortion concerns and also that they are not abortion concerns. And I love what she says about this. She said on she says that like voters can we can all walk and chew gum at the same time. Like voters are capable of thinking about two issues. So stick
3: around for that. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea, they're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash fever dream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
1: Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Better Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. And today I am so thrilled to be here with Sherry Beasley. She was the Chief Justice of North Carolina Supreme Court. And of course, now she's running to represent the state in the U.S. Senate. Thank you so much for coming today. One week out. Can you believe it? How are you feeling? How are you doing? How are you surviving? Tell me.
0: You know, Amanda, things are going really, really well. We are excited. Uh, There's a lot of energy in the race across the state and people understand the sense of urgency that we should all be feeling in this election. Um, And the reality is uh, folks here are really tired of the pettiness of partisan politics. They want to know that the next senator is going to fight hard for North Carolina and for this country. Um, and so we've really enjoyed uh, meeting folks all over. We have 100 counties here in yep. North Carolina. And so we are out there and, and engaging folks. And, and, and this is an early voting period for us. So people are actually voting here in North Carolina now. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. So you are running for an open seat with with Richard Burr retiring. How do you think the fact that there's no incumbent in this race, how, how has that impacted the campaign? What are kind of the benefits versus the challenges of running, not running against somebody who necessarily has six years in the job already? Tell me how that's impacted your campaign.
0: You know, uh, we've just been out here.
2: Um, yes, it would be regardless.
0: So, you know, so much of it really is uh, making sure that folks just know that there is a clear distinction yes. in this race. Uh, that Congressman Bud, though not the incumbent, uh, has been in service uh, in Congress for six years, so we don't have to wonder about what he. That's right. In the Senate, we already know that he has not served North Carolina well for every opportunity that he has had to vote in favor of things that benefit the state. He has voted against it and he's voted against the people here. And so, you know, I'm very thankful. I've been in service to North Carolina for nearly 30 years as public defender, judge and chief justice of the Supreme Court of North Carolina. And I know that it's important to have a respect for the rule of law and to uphold the Constitution and that the next senator should have a respect for the rule of law. Unfortunately, uh, Ted Budd doesn't. And we saw that when the mob stormed the Capitol, uh, he called Mm -hmm. them just patriots standing up. Um, and even after all the violence, he refused to certify the election. So he has shown us who he is. And when, when people show you who they are, you better believe him. Uh, mm-hmm. We need to make sure that there's a fighter in the Senate for North Carolina. And that's exactly why I'm running.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So what do you kind of make of the narrative that economic concerns have somehow overtaken abortion rights issues this election cycle? I saw you talk about this uh, on CNN over the weekend. I thought you had a really a great answer. I mean, does that sort of sync with what you're hearing from voters about their concerns? What do you make of this kind of punditry that to me sort of feels out of touch for what people are really experiencing?
0: You know, I think it is, uh, it's a a—it's a fair assessment to say that yeah. people really are feeling uh, the pinch of rising costs, that so many folks are feeling the pain at the pump to the cost of prescription drugs and everything in between. And when uh, families are having to make choices around buying groceries or school supplies or high-priced medications in the greatest country in the world. It just shouldn't be that way. We also know that Congress can fix that. We know that we pay more for high-priced medications uh, than any other country in in the world, and Congress can fix that. We know that corporations are making 70-year record profits and using the cover of inflation uh, to jack up yep. prices on things that we need to buy. And Congress can fix that. And, and what we also know is that people want to know that the next senator is going to fight hard to lower costs and that she can also fight hard mm-hmm. to protect our freedoms. Um, We know that Ted Budd is leading the charge on an absolute ban uh, for abortion without exceptions to rape or incest or risk to her mother's health. And we know it is very short sighted to not think about the fact that if a woman is sexually assaulted, that she would be forced to carry the pregnancy to term. A woman with an ectopic pregnancy or septic uterus or miscarriage that her body won't release will not be able to get the life-saving treatment that she needs, which is an abortion, and it means that women will die. Mm -hmm. And anytime our freedoms are on the line, I will be fighting for North Carolina, um, and I'm going to fight hard to make sure that Roe v.ersus Wade becomes the law of the land. This is a violation of our constitutional rights. Uh, And the real question is, who makes the decision? Is it is it a woman and her doctor or is it politicians up in Washington? And what I know from folks here in North Carolina, where most folks here in the state and this country believe that Roe mm-hmm. versus Wade should be the law, is that there is no place in the exam room with a woman and her doctor for tidbits. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. I mean, sometimes I hear the things he says and I'm like, does he know how many med schools are in North Carolina and how many doctors like they are not going to they are not going to accept that they are not going to tolerate that. What made you decide to run this race? Was there a moment or or something that happened? Was it something that you were thinking about for a long time? What pushed you? What put you
0: on this path? You know, I've been in court almost every day for the last nearly 30 years. And I know that people don't come to court on their best days. I've heard from a lot of families over the years and I know how people are struggling. About a third of the folks who live here in North Carolina earn less than $15 an hour um, and and are having a hard time. The pandemic was uh, really hard on a lot of families where in many of our communities, we do not have access to broadband. Mm -hmm. Um, And many of our children didn't have broadband or technology for school. And many of the teachers didn't either. So there are real uh, issues. We want the Mm -hmm. next senator to to vote her values and to spend our values to make sure that we are working hard for all of North Carolina, for our children, regardless of zip code, uh, understanding that we are in the middle of a climate crisis, uh, that we need to provide access to affordable health care and lower the cost of prescription drugs. We need to make sure that uh, farmers have the support that they need. And there's so many issues facing our communities. And so I realized that Washington was failing families here mm-hmm. in North Carolina. Uh, I know that Ted Budd has put corporate and special interests above the interests of folks here in our great state. Uh, and it's time for a change.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. You know, we have some some like discussion groups for this election and we have to
1: you know, we, we admit people to make sure they're there for the for the right reasons, just like The Bachelor. And we have them put their state and it's over. It is North Carolina is the overwhelming majority. Folks there are are super engaged. They don't want extreme candidates like Ted Budd. And we invited them to share some of their questions for you. We got a lot of questions about preserving abortion rights in the state of North Carolina. A lot of questions about how do we make sure that our state laws don't change. You know, North Carolina's cherished this, this right and their ability to provide refugees for other patients in in the South. So can you discuss the role that a U.S. senator would play in which rights are accessible in their state and just what kind of other North Carolina races you would encourage voters to look at?
0: Well, um, the U.S. Senate certainly needs to undertake uh, the the, the charge to uh, codify or make sure that Roe versus Wade becomes the law of the land. Uh, So that uh, states do not have the rights to infringe upon the constitutional rights of women and families Mm -hmm. Uh, here in North Carolina, where there is, though there is a, a right. uh, The Republican led general assembly has been very clear that it intends to infringe upon the right. Mm -hmm. um, And, and which is completely dangerous for lots of families. I think it's also really important to note that though, abortion is legal, it's not always accessible. We're a big state, we're the ninth largest in the nation uh, with 100 counties and there are only nine where a woman can get an abortion. So when you think about the costs of travel and a 72 hour waiting period and what that means for folks, Uh, if they're traveling a a distance to get there. I mean, it it can be really costly. But what we need access to abortion, it it, it, it is going to make the difference in the lives of so many women. And and we don't need states to have the right to infringe upon this constitutionally protected right. So Mm -hmm. it is important to vote the entire ballot, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, elected officials make decisions about our everyday lives, whether we realize it or not. And it's important to elect folks who share our values around our Mm -hmm. families and our communities and our beliefs leaves uh, and 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 to make sure That our leaders are trying to lift us up and not tear us down or distract Mm -hmm. us from what the real issues are. That we have people who are genuinely concerned about our communities and Mm -hmm. who are not just playing games uh, with our lives. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I do hope that wherever people are, that they are understanding who these folks are who are offering ourselves uh, for service and that they vote Mm -hmm. the entire ballot because every single office is very important.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Another audience member asked, how will you pursue immigration reform if elected to the Senate?
0: You know, the reality is Republicans and Democrats know that uh, the immigration system is broken. And we know that we must secure the border and reform the system. And we know that we can do that in a way where we are Uh, keeping our community safe and bolstering our strong economy and uh, fostering the american dream Mm -hmm. i think it's important to remember that there are some folks who absolutely should not be in this country and that's why it's important to secure the border and reform uh, the system but it also Mm -hmm. means that we have to provide a path to citizenship for dreamers Mm -hmm. and for those who served honorably in our military and if so if, if Democrats and Republicans agree, why isn't something yeah. done? I mean, Congressman Bud has been there. He's had every opportunity to do something to offer a solution, but he would much rather fearmonger and make derogatory comments about people who come in from other countries rather than actually working on a solution for immigration that works for North Carolina mm-hmm. and for this country. And what we are hearing from business owners and law enforcement uh, and farmers is that they're saying, hey, we need a solution now. There's no time to play games with this. And we mm-hmm. need to make sure that we're reforming, reforming immigration. And that's exactly what I'm committed to.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's such a range of, you know, you and I were chatting before. There's such a range of expertise in North Carolina and institutions and people from different backgrounds. And they're really making, you know, a lot of demands of the candidates. And it's very clear that you have answers and Congressman Budd does not.
0: Well, you know, I,
1: I think you have to care, you have to yes. care about That's famously important aspect of public service.
0: <laughs> I, I think so. And and I just I, I, I just know that that here in North Carolina, we deserve so much yeah. more. Um and and totally. literally every single moment that Ted Butt has had an opportunity to vote in favor of things that help us here. Uh he's voted against. He voted against lowering the cost of prescription drugs while taking tens of thousands of dollars from big pharma. He voted against lowering the cost of gas while taking tens of thousands of dollars from big oil. And, and, and Amanda, I don't know about you, but I had never heard of what's called murder insurance. (laughs) Jesus, Is promoting what's called murder insurance, which defends domestic abusers who've been charged with crimes up to murder in his gun shop. Now, North Carolina is a place where uh, hunting is a part of the culture and tradition. I come from a family that hunts, and, and I also respect the Second Amendment. But as a mom, like so many families, I am so dismayed and so troubled by the tragedies that we've seen. And so the reality is we need to make sure that we're investing in uh, funding for law enforcement to keep our communities safe, we need to also be investing in community-based intervention programs to stop the cycle of violence. And mm-hmm. and Bud, he's had four opportunities to vote in favor of funding law enforcement, and he has voted against it every single occasion to include fighting against the opioid crisis. I mean, people it are- It sounds like a bench warmer. <laughs> it it just, I mean, yeah. we need action and we mm-hmm. need a car- and who cares about North Carolina and a senator who cares about North Carolina. Um, and so we have a real choice. We have seven nice. days before Election Day here in North Carolina. You can vote early until November 5th. And awesome. when you go for early voting, you can vote and register on the same day. On election day, November the 8th, you must already be registered. Okay. You can make changes to your registration and you can just vote on November 8th. But That's we need it. for folks to show up to vote. It's one thing to feel a sense of conviction around why these issues are so important, but there's another thing to actually be out there and mm-hmm. not just voting for ourselves and make sure that we are touching folks around us who may be skeptical or who believe that they've been left behind. It's so important for us to share with other folks who we are voting for and why, and to make sure we are ambassadors for why all of these racers are so very important. Mm-hmm. We're on social media. We are, you know, on these email chains and half the time we're not really talking about <laughs> <feelings>. <laughs> this is a great opportunity yes. to share with folks in our faith groups and in our yes. civic groups and the folks that we work with why these elections are so important and that we must make sure that folks get out to vote uh, to make sure that the right thing happens in this election.
1: Yes. Amazing. Finally, you know, let's say you're taking a road trip from Wilmington to Asheville, which you are basically, I assume. Where are you stopping for breakfast, lunch and dinner? Where are you? Who are you never missing? Who do you make? Who do you go to every time?
0: Oh, my gosh. You know, there is great food all too over. too much. And you're right. We're on the road all the time. We're on the road now. Yeah. Uh, yesterday we were in Charlotte and we were in at a bakery uh, called Manolo's. And Manolo is from Colombia. And he is a wonderful man who has not only created this bakery in Charlotte, but it's sort of a community center for Latinos um, in North Carolina and really has lots of outreach across the state for Latino communities. Wow. And and he's just a really awesome and powerful person. Uh, We've been to Ladybugs in Waysboro. We have been to... Um just amazing places. Uh cheesecakes by Alex is just down the street uh here in Greensboro, which is really pretty awesome. Um, just lots of great places. And barbecue is really big mm-hmm, here in North mm-hmm. Carolina, and we have Eastern style barbecue and western style barbecue. It's all amazing. And so uh there are lots of tempting <laughs> restaurants yeah. on every single path across. Yes.
2: We have a good amazing yeah.
0: people, good food, and it's a great state. And it's, she is certainly and her people are worth fighting for. And so I'm excited about the next seven days. I hope for folks to to get more information about my candidacy to please go to sherrybeasley.com. We would love for them to join our team. We only need seven more days to exactly. come together to galvanize to make this happen for North Carolina and for the country.
1: Thank you so much, Justice Bezos. This is such an exciting race and I'm, I'm so excited for, for next week. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you, Amanda. I appreciate it.
1: That is our show. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman and this is the Budget Sub Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca sous Editing by Rebecca sous Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.